You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. Each week, you'll hear from remarkable guests who have overcome challenges and obstacles to succeed in the face of adversity. By listening to their stories, you'll get practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hey, welcome to this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, a podcast all about shedding limiting labels and beliefs so that we can lead fulfilling, meaningful, and purposeful lives. Hi, I'm Sarah, your host and the founder of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. So this week's podcast is part one of a two-week episode. I interviewed Ricky Lee, who you'll learn more about shortly, for a special masterclass And when I re-listened to this episode, I was struck by how important and useful the information is today. I feel and I see and I have conversations about so many of us going through transitions. And there was something about how Ricky ties together this 5,000-year-old philosophy of Chinese medicine, which encompasses the whole, the spirit, the mind, the body, and talks about the five elements of wood, fire, earth, metal, and water, and how they show up in our lives, how they are archetypes, they do have archetypes around them, and then what happens, for instance, when we embody criticism or we embody expectations that have changed, what happens to us as a result and how that may get us stuck and some ideas about how we can move through that. So this is a 60-minute interview, but I'm really breaking it into two episodes so that you can have an opportunity to slow down, listen to what Ricky has to say, take notes, and then come back for part two and the rest of Ricky's interview next week. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, everybody, and thanks for joining me in this great training session where we're going to go live with Ricky Lee. Now, I'm Sarah, Sarah Box Coaching and Consulting. Some of you know me as your chief vision Sherpa when I do coaching and consulting with you. Others of you know me from the Intentional Nonprofit leaders membership group. But today, Ricky is joining us to give us all a training, a special training session. And I'm really excited about this because it's a personal interest of mine that I think will be useful for many of you who have goals that you're trying to go after. um, And maybe some questions about how things are or not working the way you want. But first, let me tell you a little bit about Ricky Lee. You know, it's funny, the first time I met Ricky, I thought, Ricky Lee? like the singer, and she goes exactly like the singer, but not like the singer. So Ricky is known um, as a really powerful and effective mentor and coach, um, especially to women who are kind of overcoming difficult transitions. And she can talk more about that work. But the powerful thing is folks who have been battling against something or struggling for years and have actually felt kind of hopeless about it, have um, had what I would call breakthroughs and are experiencing 
vast changes, really positive outcomes. And her teachings, because she teaches, um, really clarify the impact of unbalanced emotions on our body and our mind and spirit. That's some of what we're going to be delving into today. Um, and by doing that, she really helps her students illuminate and articulate, that's the hard part, a clear path towards the life that they want with greater integrity with who they are. She's really deeply committed to her spiritual development. She has been influenced by five elements, Buddhist and Taoist philosophy, along with the works of Carl Jung and Ken Wilber. She's devoted um, practice to Zazen meditation, and she's been doing yoga for 20 years and mindfulness since 2010. Ricky's got quite a lead on this girl right here. She holds a master's degree in acupuncture from the Wan Institute of Graduate Studies and is a birth doula and former designer. So she's got a whole package of life lessons and knowledge that she's going to be sharing with us. She's currently a native of Washington, D.C. and resides in the suburbs of Philadelphia with her family. So with that, um, let me just welcome Ricky and... Ricky, can you start off by telling us um, how your unique background actually leads to today's lesson? Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Um, well, to answer your question, Sarah, uh, I take the overlying philosophies or underlying philosophies of these deep, um, these deep and really thoroughly thought out um, philosophies that have been developed over a 5,000 year period. And the reason I'm so committed to them is because one, they've lasted for 5,000 years. Two, they've been developed over 5,000 years. So they're the most nuanced and complete systems of medicine in the world. And I say that, and some people may be like, wait, hold on, Western medicine holds all the keys, but no, it doesn't because it doesn't incorporate the whole. And when we incorporate the whole, we can unlock everything. So that's my big pitch. <laughs> well, tell us, give us some specifics. So give an example of when you're talking about that. Um, for instance, what are the reasons that we get stuck? So I'll speak personally, say I'm going after a big goal or I, and I'm just going, going, and then all of a sudden something gets stuck. And I will use my language, which is procrastinate. I'll put it on hold, I'll wait. But it isn't because I don't have the skill or knowledge, there's something else going on. Why is that 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 happens to us when otherwise we're just all out, go get them kind of folk? Okay, so let me tell you a little bit, I'm gonna start with a backtrack just a little. So I'll tell you a little bit about the five elements. The five elements are kind of like the, um, like I think most people have heard about Enneagram or Myers-Briggs, they've taken those tests and they've been like, yeah, those are some of my habitual patterns, right? So the five elements is also something that categorizes habitual patterns, but does it through an entire system of medicine, right? So it's the emotional patterns, it's the body patterns, like pain patterns, and also like disease patterns. And then the last thing that we incorporate is spirit. So it's body, mind, and spirit patterns. And when we're looking through these lenses, we can see, oh, you may have a physical issue that is manifesting in mind. And so with procrastination, um, each of these elements gets stuck in a specific way. And the five elements are wood, fire, earth, metal, and water. 
Um, and I kind of nickname them in a different way, like the quality controller, the caretaker, the sage, the strategist, and the human resources um, department. And so each of these five elements has a, a personality and an archetype, and each of those archetypes gets stuck in a different way. But to address procrastination um, from like the global view, we know that procrastination is um, a, a, a small temporary answer for a long-term problem. And we know that it's an emotional regulation issue overall. And the reason we procrastinate primarily is so that we gain a sense of control in the moment and we relieve ourselves from the stress that we feel in whatever the task is, right? Um, because what happens when we're like sitting in the center of like our fear mind is that our brain gets hijacked and we get put into fight, flight, freeze or fawn. Um, and so when we're stuck in fight, flight, freeze or fawn, we're actually not able to move anywhere, right? We're like not actually pushing the needle forward in life, in business, in relationship, et cetera. So then now that you talked about those elements and the archetypes, can you apply them? So for instance, since I, I don't know where I would fall on that, I know where I am on DISC or Enneagram or Myers-Briggs. Yeah. So, and not specifically about me per se, but what is what distinguishes each of those elemental archetypes from each other? So how is a wood or a fire or earth um, archetype different? How, would the, how does that manifest in someone? And, and I'm assuming that we are not only one of those things. No, so we are all five elements and we're just like ordered, like which comes first. And usually the most um, predominant element for someone like it's one or two usually, those are where we come out of balance quickest, right? And so we're always looking at the pendulum swing in the middle is a virtue, right? And the pendulum swing to the two extremes is how it goes out of balance. And um, from the system of Chinese medicine, we're always looking at, is it an excess deficiency or, or is it an excess or deficient deficiency um, in mind, in spirit and in body? So like to give you like a real life example, um, I'm working with a client now who has had post-concussive syndrome for 10 years. So she was 22 when it happened, she's 32 now. And she had two really bad head injuries in a one year period of time. And she kind of lost her ability to live life normally, right? And so it, because her head was injured and her brain was injured, she wasn't able to sit on a computer screen. She wasn't able to go to work for long periods of time. She wasn't, and then because of that, she started to spiral emotionally into a place of like total and complete fear. And so then, then the outside world became a threat. Um, and then doing anything outside of her comfort zone became a threat. Even sitting down to meditate became a threat. And this is because the ego was like overriding everything all the time saying danger, 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 right? And so she was really stuck in the water element. And so I had to assess where is she stuck, body, mind, or spirit, right? Because we know you have a bad body injury, but she was really, really, really stuck in mind, right? If I asked her, if I inquired and I said, 
you know, what is it that you love to do? What is it you're really passionate about? She could answer those questions hands down. So I know there's a connection to spirit. And when I say spirit, I don't mean like God's spirit. I mean like spirit that's alive and well inside of you. And so I understood that her, her body injury was affecting her mind, but how did we unpack the problem? Because everybody else had unpacked the problem for the last 10 years, right? Chiropractors, any, she's been to acupuncturists and you know, she had told me that that was the thing that had helped most, but had not really been able to resolve the issue. And so we worked over the last, um, I think 10 weeks now, right? So she went from, from living life really, really confined and being scared to leave the house, not only because of coronavirus, but because um, of just all of her complicated symptoms, right? And experiencing, she, she would say generously, 15% calm in her life. So we've done like 10 weeks of work. And yesterday she reported that she's living 80% calm in her life because of all the things that we've unpacked. But to solve her problem, right? There was a mind issue at play. And if you have tried, um, you know, drugs to help you psychologically, or she's tried a lot of different therapies like craniosacral therapy and chiropractic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But nothing was unpacking the problem. They were doing physical things to help a physical issue, but it was a mind issue because in that moment of her second accident, she was put into fight, flight or freeze, right? She was in freeze, definitely. She was put into freeze and she stayed there for 10 years. And so we had to get really clear on what was safe and what wasn't safe physically, right? Um, because crossing the street became a thing of major, major panic. And so we had to unpack all of the reasons that she was like looking at life through these lenses of fear and then make her aware of them, right? This is a mind exercise. She became aware of them. And then when we started to unpack the physical impact on the body, it actually worked. So now she's, functioning from 15% to 80% calm. She's able to sleep for the first time in 10 years, more than 45 minutes at a time, like six at a, six hours at a time, seven hours at a time. I'm hoping to get her to eight hours. I don't know if I will, but this is kind of like a real life example. You see? I do see. Thank you. And what's interesting is although it, it was a physical situation, a body situation that caused the um, trauma, it ended up being a mind situation, but as you were describing it, it was a solution or an approach that used her mind, her awareness mm -hmm. to address her, the self-limiting or the accepting beliefs she had about herself. Yes? Yes, and absolutely. And the other key component here is to, to remind someone that there's always inside a part of you that hasn't been touched by life experience and that is your spirit. And to know that you have this strong relationship to spirit, this strong calling or this strong desire, to know that that's never been touched by life experience, it just lives inside of you. When we start to honor that and understand like we're freeing ourselves so that we can have a greater relationship with that, that's when like things really unfold for people. So she must be feeling pretty good right now and hopeful, probably she, really hopeful. She was very, she did not have a lot of hope when I first met her. And now she's like, 
feeling free and getting a little more adventurous as far as the way she's allowing herself to daydream, right? And to plan for the future when it's not coronavirus time. So I think it's good to plan anyway, just because eventually, even if it stays coronavirus, there's going to be something that we'll be able to do. Exactly. Uh, So let me ask you, you identified her as a primarily water person. Mm -hmm. So do we stay, will she continually, is that going to always be one of her top two kind of places she does? Or do we shift throughout our life to different elements or different types? That's a good, that's a really good question. So through the span of life, each of the elements has their like time. So when we're born, we're born into the wood time. So it's um, you would think about like the way that bamboo grows, it grows like about a foot a day, right? And it just shoots up, 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 up. And you can think about that as like the formative years, right? When, you know, you have a brand new baby and every other month you're changing out their clothes because they're <laughs> growing rapidly. And then you get to like a point in development where you're changing out the clothes every year or half a year, you know, it slows down a little until we get to the point where we hit adolescence and in adolescence we switch from wood into the fire time fire is about intimacy and creating relationships and um you know we kind of leave the the little womb of our parents and really focus on our external relationships outside of our family and so that would be fire time fire time lasts from adolescence to about age 27 a few years after the brain is fully developed the brain is fully developed Um, anywhere between 22 and 25. So usually women are, their brain development is complete 22, 23. With men, it's a little later, 24, 25, right? So a few years after the brain is fully developed, we then transition into earth time. And so earth time is about family and about nourishment and about um, engagement and caring for one another. And then, you know, we raise our kids and we retire and we move into metal time. And so metal time, you know, represents this stillness and it represents connection to um, something larger than us. And by that point in our lives, we've gained perspective and wisdom that we can like hold true and impart on younger generations in our family. Um, And that is all about a reorganization of values, right? Because the values that you had as a family when you were raising your children aren't necessarily necessary at that point, right? Do you love your children? Yes. Can you be there for them? Yes. Can you do all sorts of things with your grandkids? Yes. But at this point in your life, you know, your value system changes into like, we have to do some self-preservation. We have to focus on our health and like, you know, my partner who is 52 is kind of like transitioning into metal time. She's kind of at the end of family time, right? Even though we have a teenager. <laughs> I say that's falling on you, sister. <laughs> yes, it is. And we have a teenager and we've got five more years before she's like out of the house. But, you know, just naturally there's a progression. It's like you slow down just a little. You can't keep that heightened sense of like, go, 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 go with family time. And so the value system changes when we enter into metal. And then when we get into our upper aging, like doesn't it, I can't necessarily say a specific number because each of our bodies reacts a different way to aging, right? And so then we get to this other part 
which is in water. And water is like really about self-preservation and um, sustainability in a like, I'm going to wake up and live every day. But this is the deep, there's also like the virtue of water is the deepest wisdom, right? This is, um, so I have a friend who announced her divorce a few weeks ago. And she's like, I really, I'm just not interested in, in telling great grandma, blah, 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 right? And I was like, oh, but she's the one who can handle it the best, right? She's lived enough life where she's not gonna get up in arms and like get wrapped up in the story of, oh, you're destroying your life because <laughs> she knows you're not yeah exactly like grandma has great grandma has lived long enough to like know that we don't need to make such a big deal of certain things right um and they're able to just really sit in that wisdom and not get shaken by anything um so that's that's to answer like the big lifespan okay and then the question i'm sorry remind me of the question the question was is it throughout life or is it Right. So it's so these sound to me like they're more based in age, right? Not so those personality. Are based in age. Okay. And then individually, we each have our own elements that reflect um, throughout the world, and but they don't really change. Okay. Right. Um, they don't really change in the way that like attachment would change. They change. They change only in the way that they become more aligned and less out of alignment. And so um, would this be a good time to kind of go through? I think it'd be a great time because those are the questions that are coming up for me. So just okay. take it away. <laughs> okay, so the metal element, I'll start there. Metal element, um, I like to call the quality controller. So it's a big system of values. They like systems and structures. I have quite a bit of metal uh, myself. I really, really do well when I'm uh, operating in a system or a structure and do really, um, poorly when I feel like things are too chaotic, right? <laughs> and I'm so, just smiling, I feel it. <laughs> so, so the virtue of metal is receptivity, right? Because metal can get really, really rigid. And you can think of that as like a saw that's rusted or it can be overly laxed. And that would be like a saw that's too flimsy, right? Like, so you kind of want it to have that like gentle swaying quality, but not something that's gonna like flop back and forth, right? And so um, on the deficient end of metal, we have someone who cannot hold on to their value or the value of things. So lacks inspiration, um, never feels good enough. This is like a very common phrase. Um, exchanges material gain for, um, actual value. And so like, this is the person who will buy a shiny new object and like maybe a day or two later, it doesn't have the same effect that it did. Like they're not really treasuring it. Right. And the primary emotion there with the deficiency is grief. And so this grief is like something that sits on the chest and doesn't really allow inspiration to come in. It's really, really, um, you know, just somebody who's like completely forlorn. So you can think of like Eeyore, like, okay. <laughs> and so we know when we meet someone like that, or I know when I meet someone like that, that, you know, they've got this deficiency and then it needs to be brought into balance, right? And we, these are just distortions of the mind, literally. 
Um, and so on the complete opposite end of the pendulum, we've got someone who holds um, value to a very high standard. It's like almost like a burning desire to be the shiny, beautiful object in the world. And, you know, you can think of like in the fall when the trees just turn like all the vibrant colors here in the Northeast, not obviously where you are, <laughs> but like- well, we get fall here. You do? You okay. High, no, you have to go where it's colder, but oh yeah, we get fall. Okay. Yeah, but you can think of like the time where you think of any of the most perfect pictures you've ever seen of like New England fall. And it's like that person wants to be that beautiful all the time. Okay. And that if, makes sense. if you aren't that beautiful, you've lost value, right? So the high standard. Very, very high standard. But is that but, high standard something they have decided or is an externally identified? So, I mean, I think universally we get how gorgeous New England. And when people say, I want to go to New England in the fall, it's because of that standard, yeah. right? Yeah. But is that a standard, the, the, that example you just gave about that person, wants because it's what is perceived to be an important center or for them is that something that when they have that they feel full and true to themselves that's a loaded question for me <laughs> um uh okay to answer that i guess i would say one of the main distortions that metal has is that someone else is supposed to lift them up and put them on this pedestal in life right and so we can see that program into us via culture and society universally, right? And um, please forgive me if you're Catholic. My, my partner's family is Catholic and I just make this joke because it's true. <laughs> and so, um, you know, we have a lot of women in the world who desperately want to be put on this pedestal and admired, right? And without a partner picking them up and setting them onto it, they are unfulfilled in life, right? And this is like total conditioning from the Catholic church, right? So who's the person, who's the female in the Catholic church that is put up on that pedestal? You know? well, okay, I'm not a religious scholar, but I'm going for Mary. Yeah, that's right. Now, <laughs> what can you tell me about Mary? The she was a virgin, she would had- a Virgin Mary. Yeah. And then she gave birth to Jesus. Right. Like How the do you most, get any higher than that? The most central figure in Christianity, <laughs> right? All right. That's what made Mary up on that pedestal. And so we're putting Mary up on that pedestal and going, aspire to be Mary, who, like, you, you can't even get married and have sex without knocking yourself off the pedestal because the Virgin Mary had a baby through immaculate conception right? <laughs> and not just any baby. And not just any baby. Then she gave birth to Jesus. Okay. So you can see through different cultures and society. I can, I can, I can pick on my own culture now, just to, just to be fair. Like I am on my mother's side, I am Chinese. And on my father's side, I'm German and Native American. Okay. So in Chinese culture, you can like read that book, Tiger Mom, and you can pretty much say, oh, that's the upbringing Ricky had. So the standards I had to meet were very, very, very high, right? And the second I wasn't meeting a standard culturally, they just tear after you, right? And so I can embody that voice that like tears after me going, I can't play violin like Suzuki. I can't play piano. <laughs> I can't, I wasn't a three-year-old protege in piano. 
I didn't get perfect marks in school, right? I can go on and on and on and I can feel guilty about that for the rest of my life. But really it's this embodiment of that criticism that like tears someone apart. And this is totally within the metal element. It looks different in other elements. Um, so those are societal and cultural programming, right? And you can look at like the other things, um, like in Peggy Orenstein's book, Girls and Sex. She talks about, you know, I have an adolescent daughter, so I'm kind of like got my finger on the pulse of this. She talks about the, the cultural shift in what girls are to expect from relationship with boys at this point in development in our society, right? Which is girls are no longer expecting a relationship. They're expecting um, their bodies to be objectified without any sort of commitment, you know, in relationship. And this is like the cultural shift that happened. And so, you know, it talks about what happens with both boys and girls when those expectations shift and like how they embody them and how it affects not only their adolescent years, but how they get into their twenties and then into like deeper relationships in their thirties. Um, so these cultural influences are huge. Um, but then there's the overall egoic influence that we also have to consider. And the ego is influenced by culture and society, but it's also influenced by your element primarily because the ego filters the information through that element 100% of the time. And that's how we get stuck in the element. Okay, so, now I want you to talk about the other elements because now I want to <laughs> see, okay, what trips them up? Because that was a great description of metal. And I think someone listening Michael, oh, I recognize some of that in me. Yeah, like, so I, I, did I finish? I don't think I did. So the, the part of metal that is excess is like that burning desire expects perfection and then obsessed with material gain. So you can know like entrepreneurship is a really dangerous slippery slope for metal because the second they accomplish something, right? Like within two seconds, what's next? What's next? They can't even actually appreciate or retain the value of the moment. It's like, what's next? And a lot of former Olympians and former athletes will tell you the same exact thing, right? I won a gold medal at the Olympics on Saturday and Monday I'm back at practice, focused on the next thing, like the next four years, right? Um, and so what that creates is this longing in, a, in an individual and this longing also translates into grief because how long can you long for something before you actually are able to hold and attain it? So, okay. So then the next element I'm gonna go over is the earth element. Um, so I call the earth the caretaker because a lot of the ways that earth goes out of balance is either being like overwhelmed or underwhelmed or underwhelming. Um, so in deficient, oh, okay. So in its virtue, the earth element has integrity to process. Um, it has reciprocity, so exchange for mutual benefit and expectations have an end. And so what I mean by expectations have an end, you can think about putting your kids to sleep, right? They wanna be hugged, they wanna be loved, they want the covers tucked in properly. They want you to read them a story and sing them a song. And then you get done and they want more, right? <laughs> <laughs> true <laughs> i always say it's like those little robins i know you just fed me more 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 yeah. I want more more 
more. Yeah. And meanwhile, like you as the parent is like completely exhausted. You're ready to go lay on the couch and like veg out. And they're just, they're just, you know, you've been up since six in the morning with them, just pulling, pulling. So expectations have an end. Um, and so some people walk through life with needing to exceed or meet expectations always, but never actually giving themselves a period of rest. Um, and so earth tendencies are circular because that's the energy of earth. Um, and, you know, if you think about the uh, integrity of earth, earth has a 24 hour cycle, right? We've got sunrise and sunset. If an earth is going too fast, the days and nights are getting screwy. If it's going too slow, half the planet is dying because vegetation doesn't have sun, right? Okay, so when earth is deficient, um, it wants to please others and there's a lot of self-sacrifice and compliance. Um, and so these are, you know, you can think about like um, that woman with 17 kids on TLC. She's just like giving, 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 but it's almost like she's not like got this strong will that's being asserted in life. She's just caretaking all the time and then having more babies and caretaking all the time, right? And then um, you can see ingratiation is a behavior that's super, super uh, like important in the earth element. And so ingratiation is just to make you happy outside of what my needs are, right? And so somebody who is always giving, giving, giving and not servicing their own needs ends up resentful of you for asking for things from them. And so, you know, when the earth element's really deficient, it's seeking sympathy and they, they view sympathy as love and caring for themselves. Like you love and care for me because I care for you. That's that exchange, but it's not a mutual reciprocal change. Um, and then on the complete opposite end, you've got someone who has like overwhelming expectations, wants to do everything themselves, doesn't need anything from you, right? Like, I don't, I, I'm good, I don't need anything. And so like that client that I told you the story about hitting her head, you know, her primary uh, element was water, but her secondary one was earth. And so she hit her head the second time and came home and didn't say anything to her housemates. Like, I just had a really bad spill and like, I might need help. I don't know if I'm thinking correctly. Can you help me? No, I don't want to bother them. Right. Um, and so this person is really, really like an island, but also can be overly indulgent. And so this, so let's talk about body, mind, spirit and indulgence, right? So when somebody is overly indulgent in body, this can be too much sex, too much food, too much pleasure, too much of any one thing, right? When somebody is overindulgent in mind, it's obsession. So, um, you know, on the very far end of the spectrum, you can see like OCD, but you can also see like, oh, I'm gonna burn nine series of this show on Netflix, like total obsession. And then in spirit, spirit, if somebody is obsessed spiritually, it is um, blind devotion, right? But anyways, we want, when we bring somebody back into alignment with the virtue of earth, you know, we understand that earth wants to deeply understand things and so revisits things and revisits things and revisits things. But the virtue really is integrity to process. To what end do you need to understand? 
To what end do I need to solve this problem? To what end do I need to serve you? To what end do I need to deal with this problem that this patterned problem that continues to show up in my life? You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.